First Peter chapter one, first Peter chapter one. On last week, I called your attention to the fact that when you get to verse 16, at the end of verse 16, there is a period which tells us that's the end of the sentence. When you get to verse 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, all of that is one long sentence. And it deals with redemption. And I started on last week a message on three truths about the God of our salvation or the God of our redemption. Let's begin reading again with verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained. I asked last week that you mark that word foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. On last week, I dealt some with the fact of how great that it is to be redeemed and three special truths about God concerning our redemption. And for those of you that were here, the first point is, is found in verse 20, the first half of that verse, when we think about the word foreordained. And on that, one truth about God that we, we dealt with in that study and I hope that you can remember that, was God knows. To be foreordained means to have foreknowledge. He had a plan developed that in the eventuality of sin, which sin did come, when Adam and Eve broke the commandment of God, partook of what they were not supposed to partake of, then we know that God, knowing what would happen, had a plan that from the foundation of the world, the lamb, Jesus Christ, would die for our sins. That was established before there was ever Genesis 1-1, there was John 3-16. Because God never reacts to anything. God is a God of eternity, not a God of time. God always has been, is, and will always be. So looking into the future, God is there before we ever get there. And he's there to prepare everything for us before that we ever get there. God never reacts to anything because he knows what's going to happen and already has what is needed to take care of that. And here he's telling us that before there was ever guilt, there was already grace. Before there was ever a problem, God already had the solution. Before there was ever sin, God made a way of redemption and salvation. God had it all taken care of before that we ever got there. Now, let me put it in perspective for you this morning, if I can, before I move on to the last couple of points. Let's think of it in terms like this. When Adam and Eve sinned, that was the biggest disaster that has ever occurred in the human race. From that one action of sin, that came, that out of that action has come all of the death that we know, all of the sickness that we know. Had they not sinned, there would have been no sickness. All of the pain that you've ever felt, it came about through their one action. 
all of the, of the labor in childbearing for women came about as an action of that one thing. All of the hunger, the wars, all of, all of the things that's happened, every terrible thing you could ever think of happened because of the action of one man and one woman when they disobeyed God. Now, God said before that ever took place, he had a way to take care of that problem. Now, if God had a way to take care of the biggest problem that ever happened in all of humanity, I think he has a way to take care of your problem before you ever face it in your life. He's already there with the solution to try to help you if you're willing to trust God. God knows. God knows where you're at. God knows why you've come to this place. He wasn't caught off guard by any of it. God knows and said, by the way, before you ever got to where you're at, before you ever got in the valley, I'm already in the valley. Before you ever got to a place of darkness, I'm already in the darkness. He has the solution before you ever get there. God knows. So he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before there was a creation, Calvary had already been set aside in the mind of God. But not only does God know, but God cares. See, it'd be a terrible thing if he knows and didn't care. Now let's look at the reality of all of it. God could have, God could have said, I warned you, Adam, I warned you, Eve, the day you eat thereof, you're gonna die. God could have said, you've made your bed, lie in it. God could have said, I give you warning. That's all that's necessary. I've warned you before it ever happened that death would come. God knew, but to know something doesn't do any good if he doesn't care. So God not only knew, but he cared enough to do something about it. God knows the place you're at in your life. God knows every sin in your life. God knows all of it. But yet for him to say, I'm going to leave you at that place and not care enough to do anything about it, that would almost make him appear as though he was cruel. And we don't serve a cruel God. We serve a God of love. He sees it and he knows about it, but yet he's already made a way to get us out of it. He's made a way to help us before we ever get to those places. Well, how did he do it? Well, the last half of verse 20, but was manifest in these last times, the next two words should make you shout, for you. The baby in Bethlehem, he came for you. The Christ that grew up working in a car carpenter's shop did that for you. The Jesus that performed the miracles did that for you. The Christ that suffered and died on Calvary's cross and shed his blood, he did that for you. The Christ that was buried in the tomb that arose on that first resurrection morning, he did that for you. The Christ that ascended back to heaven and said, I'm coming again, he did that for you. 
manifest for you. He did it, not you. I don't care how arrogant you are, you did not save yourself. You cannot save yourself. You do not have the power to do it. God did it for you when Jesus was manifest for you. Let, let, let me stress this. Will you, will you follow me with a couple of verses? Over, over in the second chapter of the same book, the second chapter in the same book, look in verse 24. Look in verse 24. Keep your Bibles open. We're going somewhere else. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, referring to Jesus, who his own self, mark those three words, his own self, bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Do you know that in sentence structure, and I'm certainly not qualified to speak in this area, just just what little knowledge I have, but I do know this from what education that I've received. In sentence structure, there are some phrases that you can take out of a sentence and it still be factually true. In other words, it doesn't change the meaning of the sentence. And I don't want you to leave and say, well, Cal is changing the word of God, but had that verse said, who bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Had it said that and left out that phrase, his own self, it would have still been true. He bore our sins on the tree. But for some reason, God adds the phrase, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Anytime you see something that is added, that it doesn't change the facts of the sentence. It's added just to give emphasis and clarity. And here he is clarifying one thing. He not only bore our sins on the tree, but he did it by himself. I want you to go back to Hebrews, if you will. Just turn back one book, one book in your Bible. Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one and verse three. Hebrews chapter one and verse three. Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory, referring to Jesus, that's confirmed in verse two because he's talking about speaking unto us by the Son, capital S, referring to Jesus. So Jesus, who being the brightness of his own glory and the express image of his purpose, of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his word, when he had, what's the next two words? By himself, what did he do by himself? Purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high by himself purged our sins. He did it by himself. Now that is so far over my head 
that I can't comprehend. I'm not about to stand here as a preacher. I have studied this book, preached this book for 46 years, and I'm here to tell you it is bigger to me right now in this service today than it's ever been in my life. How he did what he did is so far beyond my, he knew no sin, but on the tree, he became sin for us. Here's where it gets me. He took on all of my sin, all of your sin. He took on all the sin of all the world, but didn't become a sinner. He took on our guilt and our shame, but wasn't guilty of anything. Here he is taking on the sin of the world and when he did it, he did it by himself. He didn't have to ask an angel to carry the load. He didn't have to call out to the disciples to ask them to carry a load. Oh no, when he did it, oh by himself. Oh by himself. He did it for you and he did it for me. The salvation that came, came by him and through him. It will never be of us. He did it all without your vote. He did it without your opinion. He said, I did it by myself. Well, that didn't excite you. Let's try this. Hey, I've been doing this 46 years. I know when I'm doing good and I'm not. Let me put it in this way. Uh, you, many of you have probably read the account. Uh, when, when Napoleon was conquering the world, uh, Napoleon, as he conquered the world, world he, he, he had a problem as he tried to go in and conquer other countries. He couldn't get enough soldiers to fight. They didn't want to fight. So he instituted something that was called conscription. They would conscript a soldier to fight. Probably the best word that I could use for people my age and older, you'll understand it, drafted. I understand that term. On my honeymoon, I had to stop by the post office and send in a letter when Candy and I was married to the United States government. I had to send it in because they still had the right to draft. That meant when your number come up, you were gone. Well, still hadn't soaked in. Let me try it again. John, this is on, isn't it? I'm just making sure. So Napoleon had a hard time, so he conscripted soldiers. They would call up their number, and when they called up your number, you had to serve. There were a few exemptions that were allowed occasionally. For example, if, if a young father, if his wife just had a baby, he, he was still conscripted and in a, in a case like that or extreme illness, they still were responsible to go. So this is what they had to do. They had to find, if they felt like I can't go, they had to find somebody to take their place. And that person to fulfill the conscription would go 
and fight in their name. Are you with me? There was a man that had been conscripted. He had, his wife had just had a baby and his friend stepped up and said, listen, I'll go fight in your name. And he did. That's great. Somebody went in his name. Two years later, they conscripted him the second time. When they came to conscript him, said, you need to go to the battlefield now. He said, I'm not going. They said, why aren't you going? He said, I'm already dead. (laughs) Getting good now, isn't it? They said, what do you mean you're already dead? We're talking to you, you're alive. No, I'm already dead. Two years ago, you conscripted me. My friend stepped up to go fight. On the battlefield, he died, but he died in my name. So therefore, I am dead and I cannot fight again. They said, you're going. So they took it to Napoleon, the leader of the country. And they said, this man refuses to go fight. He said that another went for him earlier and died in his name. And he refuses to be conscripted again. Napoleon made the ruling. He said, well, I guess it is impossible for a man to die twice. So therefore, he does not have to serve. Can I tell you there is another by himself that died in my name. And I might have to die once, but I don't have to die twice. Thank God he died for me and he died for you. God cares for you. God knows. God cares. But then if you will, back to our text, one other thing. Verse 21. Verse 20, we see it foreordained, God knows. For you, God cares. Verse 21, God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory. God can. God knows. God cares and God can. Well, how do you get that? If he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can do anything. Last week in our Sunday school class, Tom is our teacher and he did such a tremendous job and he started into it, and I'm glad he backed off a little bit because I knew where I was going with the ending of this sermon. But uh, he, he brought up the fact he was talking about prayer. And I thank God that we have the ability to pray. But in reality, every one of us here, you can come to us, tell us your problems. My life is saturated with listening to other people's problems. I'm not complaining. But I'm I'm going to tell you something you already know. I'm glad to hear their problems. And 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 I care about the problem. See, God knows, God cares. 
And we can know. We become aware. We can know and we can care. But the problem, sometimes it, it's something that we can't take care of. No matter how much we care, no matter how much we know, we just can't change it. I can tell you I'll pray for you and I will pray for you. I can tell you the promises that God makes in his word, but sometimes I just can't help you. There are things that I cannot do. When you come forward and you you bring your burden to the Lord, we gather around you, we pray for you, but we can't lift that burden. We can't heal your body. We can't save your soul. We can't forgive your sins. We can't change your problems. But God can. If he can solve the biggest problem that humanity has ever faced when sin came, he can do anything. Anything. God can. You can tell me all day long about how this can't change and that can't change, but I've come to tell you, God can do something about it. And before you ever got where you're at, he's already there. He's at work, you just don't see it. God can. God knows. God cares. God can.